Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast, Real Word Confessionals, where we ask the questions never asked to tell the story seldom told. This one in particular is really exciting for us. Uh, Chris, you're the only person that's come on the confessional that we didn't have a prior relationship with following all of your stuff. You're doing a great job right now on the content that you're Thank providing you. for agents. Chris Smith, the co or founder or co-founder of Curator. I'm not sure which one. Co-founder. Co-founder. Yep, co so I had it right there. And Chris, why don't you just give everybody listening a, a little bit of background on you? Yeah, sure. Bio time. I, I'll make it quick. I got yeah. into the industry working for top producer selling CRM uh, when they had like more than probably 50% market share. Like every agent had top producer at that time. At the same time when Realtor.com was number one, you know, before Zillow really overtook that spot indefinitely. Um, and so I used to go to offices every single day and I had to teach real estate agents how to use top producer, but to use top producer, you had to know how to use a computer. So I sort of had to start there and it became very clear, like, man, these folks are in trouble. Like they do not get tech. So I just started teaching classes about like Facebook and Google and Twitter and YouTube. And, you know, I would still incorporate the sales pitch in at the end, but I was blowing all the numbers out. I was number one by far. And I started a blog called Tech Savvy Agent. Uh, and it became extremely popular. It was early days of Facebook pages where it would just grow virally every day. Right. You know, thousands more people joining, uh, which was great. And then Inman News, which I, I know you guys obviously have a relationship there. They named my blog like the most innovative blog. And then they gave me a job. So I started working for Inman and I was the MC of their events for several years. Uh, you know, fast forward, I worked with Dotloop as well. And now I run Curator. So I've, you know, kind of an insider. I mean, I'm going on probably almost 15 years uh, in the business. Tons of change. Tons of stuff hasn't changed. Right. But uh, I love it. And I am always excited to talk to creators uh, like yourself. So question though, um, are, you a, are you a licensed real estate agent? Have you ever no. had your, you've never had your license. You've never sold real no. estate. You've just helped everybody else. Sort yeah, of. I got in software sales. Yeah. And so I was selling software, you know, in real estate offices and just really understood my customer. I've been yeah. to every trade show, you know, I, I just really was in the trenches for long enough to like understand what it's like to be one. Right. Also enough to know I never want to be. It's not my passion. I'm yeah. not interested in it. I yeah. love software and technology, but yeah. yeah, the short answer is no. I feel like you got in at a really great time though, too, because I'm assuming so... Based on what you're saying, you said 15 years because I got into real estate in 10 and I tried to do the mm -hmm. top producer thing too. But again, back yeah. then, like your managers were telling you, you didn't even need us. You don't need a phone. You don't need a smartphone. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. so really, I mean, you got in legitimately when like the agents were mostly like dinosaurs. And like you said, didn't even know how to use computers. Mm -hmm. So you were able to sort of grow with them, which is sort of fun. Yeah, they weren't even in the back of the room on their phone. They were in the back of the room on their Sudoku, yeah. like pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, some so, probably had Blackberries. I mean, some some savvy ones maybe had a Blackberry back there, but <laughs> yeah, I mean that was the debate. You know, it was Blackberry or iPhone. It was Mac or PC. It was it was Gmail or AOL. It was sort of yeah. very basic debates that. I kept being on the winning side PC of, so laptop, finally yeah. people were like, hey, he kind of knows what's happening here and we don't, which so I think fun. is why the partnership I have with the people I work with is great because I don't, you know, pretend to be like a lot of the best coaches are former agents, right? you know? Um, and so for me, I, I don't have that experience. So I just bring what I know and love and they do too. It's a good relationship. Love it. 
Yeah, unfortunately, there's still a lot of agents that uh, the industry hasn't wrestled the pen and paper away from yet, but it is happening. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris, we're going to go through five what we call confessionals. We want you to go deep, both on business and personal. This will start a conversation. We can take it any anyway. And so the first question I've got is, what is something right now that currently overwhelms you? Something that overwhelms me? Yeah, what is something right mm. now that is currently overwhelming you, whether it be business or personal? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind, which is probably what I should say, that's the point of the confessional, I guess, is uh, being a parent of teenagers, like newly turned teenagers is really hard. My son's 14, my daughter's 12. And so you have this like decade where you're everything to them. They look up to you. They want to spend all their time with you. And we just sort of entered that new phase where you know, my son walks five steps ahead of us when we're out and about. He's embarrassed of his parents. Uh, you know, they want to spend all their time with their friends and not their folks, basically. Uh, so that's been pretty overwhelming only because you can't win that battle. Right. The, you're not going to actually like change the history of mankind where teenagers rebelled for a few years before they then reappreciated you later in life. So yeah, I would say that's kind of overwhelming uh, only because I usually am like a control freak and I can impact change. And with this, I can't impact change. Not quite yet. So what are we a freshman? We got a freshman in the house then? Freshman 14? Freshman in the house. Yeah, I got a freshman in the house too. At their high school. And my daughter went to middle school, so they both leveled up. Yeah. You have a freshman as well? I do. And a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. But yeah, I, I get it. I, I had everyone move up this year too. It's it's hard. I, yeah. And again, especially with girls too, it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. are they happy today or are they sad? Who do they like today and who do they not? Who doesn't like them? And yeah. But then also making sure that they're putting on deodorant because like if they don't, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be the smelly person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can't push it on yeah. them because maybe they want, maybe they don't want the deodorant, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. No, I get it. It's tough. I think that at least for me, that side of my life is always harder than work because I, I actually really enjoy my career. So doesn't that's not the hard stuff is the job stuff. Good thing I've got plenty of years before I, I get into the teenage. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll come to both of you for the advice. So don't ever yeah. come well, to me for advice. Say, like enjoy it while you can. Like it's yeah. gonna end. Like and I was like, no, not for me. You yeah, know, they love me too much. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna break or those people that at the supermarket, like they'd come up to you and they'd be like, I'd have all three with me and like, don't worry, ma'am. Like one day you'll be me. And I'm like, I can't wait to be you. I can't wait to go up to someone in the grocery store and be like, one day they won't be with you. Like, yeah, like that was always like, shut up. Like you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, Chris, second confessional. What are you thinking about right now? Most often top of mind whether it's business or any other category, what is coming into your brain space all the time? Yeah. Um, Well, work slash industry trends slash, you know, just importance of the overall bucket. It's, it's really, I'm just obsessed with listings and how there's been, you know, tons and tons of things figured out on the buyer side to capture leads and drip on leads and, you know, grow your database and build a team with ISAs to call them and, you know, text them and dial for dollars. Like the, like people have figured out the like boiler room with a squeeze page, but I just don't like that necessarily. If I, if I'm, 
you know, trying to build a really great brand and I'm trying to kind of become a little household name in the, uh, in the world that I'm in, I want listings and to get listings, you do have to kind of have at least a brand or some top of mind awareness with lots of people, which is tough to do. Like I, there's this guy named Mark Spain. He has billboards all over Orlando and Atlanta. He's been number one in Atlanta for like and, 20 straight years. And the Carolinas. And his billboard is just, it's like a lawyer. It's yeah. just like Mark Spain real estate with him real big. Uh, and so I just, I, I just keep looking at like where do listings come from? How can agents, you know, cause the markets has so few of them right now, it's become so urgent to figure out where they come from. And as I've researched that, I've just realized that, uh, 95% of the innovation and, and tactics and techniques are on the buyer side, which I just think is weird because the listings are so much more valuable. Right. Um, and then kind of part two of that would be, I think it's actually a shame that people sell their biggest asset every seven years or so. And then they hire a real estate agent to help them get exposure and get it out there in front of as many people as possible. And that real estate agent largely is incompetent at marketing. Absolutely. I, I just think that's a weird, broken process. Um, when I was on listing... Right now, it doesn't matter because homes are selling anyway. Sure. But in a real market... It kind of matters. When I was on listing appointments, I always used to say, uh, I'm not going to be the best real estate agent you can interview in this market. And I would give a name mm -hmm. you know, that, that they're mm -hmm. probably interviewing. She's the best real estate agent. I happen to be the best mm -hmm. marketer you can sit in front of if you're going to, if, even if you're going to interview 100 plus agents in this market. Mm -hmm. And here's how I'm going to market mm -hmm. to actually sell your mm -hmm. home. And you're right. Not enough agents are coming in with the marketer mindset. You said something on a recent YouTube video on the curator YouTube page, which I would encourage everybody, we'll actually link it uh, below where, you know, you talk about the change of agent, you know, how we're going to market ourselves online with some of the privacy issues uh, or privacy mm -hmm. laws rather that, that are coming into effect. So one of the things you, you wrapped up that video saying and to your point here is how important brand is because you're not going to be able to just call. In fact, you're not even gonna be able to keep people in your CRM forever and always just because you own an email you don't even own it because you have access to an email or phone number there's going to be laws that require you in your video you said to take those people out of your crm after a certain period mm -hmm. of time one or two years and you're going to need your phone internally to ring because mm -hmm. of your brand because of the interesting marketing that you're doing can you talk a little bit more on that yeah i mean the the thing is there's these international laws that are pretty scary and ominous and if they happen here the industry would really have to change their tactics overnight like gdpr which is like the little cookie pop-up and uh, you can't keep people's information beyond the purpose for which you obtained it so if i get a buyer or a seller lead and then they buy or sell with anyone else you know my purpose in, in obtaining their information is now gone and so i have to burn the contact uh, and then people have to re-opt in every six months, every two years. They have to say, yes, I want to stay on your list or like click something to verify that they still want to be followed up with. Uh, in Canada, the email marketing laws are super scary. Million dollar fine for people, $10 million fine for businesses. Uh, they make it incredibly difficult compared to in the past uh, to do email marketing up there. And even on uh, the landing page design has had to change quite a bit. So... But here in the States, like Apple's change was really big. The mm. iOS 14, uh, you guys have probably seen this. Every time you log into an app now, it asks you if you want to be tracked. Right. And it's, like, what do you say? What do you guys say? 
Uh, I usually say no. And I always so say yes. Consumer, I'm like, yes, Most going. consumers are saying no. I always I say even no, care. even on the market. I'm, like, no, I'm pretty you. boring. I'm either at the bar or at the office. Yeah. I mean, it's but, pretty yeah. simple. <laughs> I mean, it's basically said, hey, you know, Facebook uh, marketing is so much mm-hmm. less valuable than it was three, four, you know, seven years ago, really. Seven years ago was, mm-hmm. was, was mm-hmm. kind of the, the height of Facebook marketing. Now, you mentioned well, only eleven percent of people do what you do and say yes. So ninety percent of people yeah. ignore sure. it or say no. I think it depends. Sometimes uh, I just you know you just oh mm-hmm. shit I didn't mean to hit that but cool I get yeah. to, I get to get onto Home Depot. You're now, part of the eleven you know? percent. Well, we used to like I if you remember kind of talking about the old school. We used to also say yes to notifications every time, and then we kind of had to unbury ourselves eventually. Yeah. But the the tracking issue is very real. It impacts the targeting of the ads. It impacts the profile and the CRM of knowing. Uh, what actions they took. And then you're right, Byron, on top of that, all the Facebook ad changes with targeting, like, you know, like the, a lot of the advice in my book, the conversion code is now, you know, basically illegal. Cause it was like, Oh, you can target by yeah. age and interest and zip code. And Oh, watch, you can just put a flag in a neighborhood and do one mile around it. Like this is a no brainer. And all of that really kind of went away. It's a very kind of basic training wheels, targeting options. So those are just real world examples of like, yeah, it's going to really impact your marketing. Uh, think about when you get a call and it says suspected spam, mm-hmm. you know, no one answers those. So if you're running like a call center mindset and you're calling a hundred people a day, every single day, barely any of them ever answer. You don't think the companies sort of have that data and know that like this guy calls a hundred people, 99 don't pick up the one person that picks up. It's a 30 second conversation. That to me is suspected spam. So I'm just predicting that over the next few years, this stuff will get stricter, not looser because it's sort of like the people revolution, the consumer empowerment. Like we want our data. We want to be tracked and Apple's at the front of it with, you know, all of their ads are about privacy right now. Uh, not about the camera. You mentioned ISA or call center. How would you think about yeah. the new model of an inside sales uh, agent team or or a call center, whatever you want to call it? How would you think mm-hmm. about that going forward? Because to your point, you need agents teams need calls coming into them now with with how these mm-hmm. you know marketing laws are, are going to change the game. How would you think about the ISA team? Because we know that agents and teams or team agents, whatever, don't pick up the phone when that call rings. So how do you think Mm -hmm. about uh, an inside sales team? Yeah, I mean, every sales organization I've ever worked at, you know, 80% or so of the salespeople were really bad and 20% were really good. And I think real estate's pretty much the same way. Sure. So the problem is you have 10 buyers agents or ISAs and they're not all great. So then you outsource it, you try a service, you try to hire somebody locally. Like the problem is you're trying to make a job that's uncool, cool. (laughs) It sucks. I did it for a decade. I dialed for dollars in a boiler room, a hundred calls, three credit pulls, one loan. You know, I worked at Quicken Loans and like the, when the mortgages were like first hitting the internet. Uh, So I think the, the new call center starts with great marketing and great advertising that really warms the leads up tremendously. I'll give you an example. If every lead you force to register, you get a bunch of them. If you don't force them to register, the ones you get are good. 
I mean, you guys would probably say historically Zillow delivers like a pretty high quality lead. Their yeah. leads are so high quality that they can charge crazy amounts of money. They can charge a percentage of people's commission and they're signing up left and right. Why is that? Because the leads close. It's that mm -hmm. simple. So why do the leads on Zillow close? And why don't all the leads that you do on your own close? Because on Zillow, the consumer isn't forced to register and reach out to you until they're really ready. Right. So like part of it's the brand and they like Zillow. Correct. But part of it's the fact that it's it's opt-in. You're literally saying, hit me up. I got a question. Right. You're not saying unlock me to search for homes. That doesn't sound normal. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to unlock Redfin. Right. I don't have to unlock Zillow. I don't have to unlock Truly. I don't have to unlock Realtor.com. Why do I have to unlock Sally, the Realtor team in Charleston? You know what I mean? To use her home search. That to me, that is not going to last forever. I agree. So and so what? And so you would basically look so the at the call center of the future would yeah. have more passive calls to action. It wouldn't be register to use it, it would be ask us a question when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can have live chat. Yeah, when the leads do come in, you should respond quickly. But I think what I would be focused on is for every 100 leads we get, we get one good opportunity. How do we get one good opportunity but not waste 99 opportunities? So like, I would be trying to figure out how to get 10 leads instead of 100 and one good one out of 10. And a lot of that, Byron, is copywriting and, and specificity in the marketing and advertising you do. So as an example, if I run an ad for buyer leads and it says, if you're going to buy a home and you want to move in, in the next 30 to 60 days, then go look at this one. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're not looking to buy a home in the next 30 days, don't waste your time because this one's not going to be there, even when you go to look for it 31 days from now, right? So you can sort of better qualify uh, through the ad, the copy, the email marketing that you do, you know, if you're going to buy and sell a home at the same time this year, read this. Yeah. And then anybody that clicks that in an email, like that's a good little hot sheet to call because they've shown intent. So I think it's more, it's more about just like warming up the traffic versus just this cold traffic, go to a squeeze page, force them to register, drip on them with alerts and then track their behavior it just, it doesn't pass the say it out loud test for me. Love that insight. Love mm. that insight. I hope everybody was, was paying attention. And, and again, we'll link up the video on some of the privacy stuff that, that Chris did. So next confessional, Chris, how have your faults, we all have them, mm -hmm. hindered you from more success? That's a good question. How have my faults hindered me from more success? Yeah, you're super successful, they, but, but where have you held yourself mm -hmm. back? Well, I've held myself back because I don't give myself enough credit for the success that I have. So I'm always punting down the field and, you know, get to this mountaintop and see the next one and pick up the accolades I always thought I wanted. And then the next day they're not gratifying anymore and hit a milestone financially and then get, and then getting it and then not feeling any better than I felt the day prior. So I would say the thing that uh, the thing that holds me back from sort of like positive mental attitude success is that I'm not complacent. I know that I haven't reached my potential. And so even though I'm accomplishing things that, you know, people should and are proud of, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't last very long. So I would say that's probably a fault 
like I'm not enjoying the ride, you know, as mm. much as I should. Yeah. But and then but in the meantime, I don't even know the destination that I want to get to. So it's like it keeps moving even when I get there. So like being an author, bestseller list, you know, curator on the ink list, you know, whatever it is like. But I think that's also a blessing, too. I think you have to kind of be minorly obsessive to get to a real big goal. Uh, and I've just set really big goals. So it's like, until I accomplish some of them, I'm not really that happy with where I'm at. And I, I wish I was. I see people that are, and I'm jealous of it. What's your biggest goal right now? Like, what's what's number one on your list? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, my biggest goal right now is to basically be a part of a unicorn experience. Like, I, I want to be a part of a billion-dollar company. So whether that's... Uh, helping one or merging with one or becoming one or investing in one or being on the board of one. Uh, I, I just feel like I, I get such FOMO because I follow Silicon Valley and venture capital and all that stuff. So yeah, my, my goal is to have so much money that I can invest in other people like me and work with them and get in the trenches with them. I told my wife that my, my perfect portfolio would have like 60 companies and one day per quarter, you know, 20 days per month, weekdays. So one day per quarter, I would just spend a whole day with each of them and get in the trenches the best I could and then start it again the next quarter. So, you know, kind of a weird goal, but that's one of my goals, 60 investments. So so you're not somebody that's trying to shy away from travel. You, you want to get back into a travel routine. Yeah, well, part of my strategy with the investing is like, I think there's an ability to be like a hyper-local investor. So I'm in Florida and no one's really looking for deals here. No one's looking for startups here. So you can find some diamonds in the rough compared to if you're actually in New York or Silicon Valley. But yeah, I want to get on the road. I hate working from home. I, it's miserable. It's been the worst experience of my life. Uh, I absolutely hate it. Uh, it's a necessary evil in my eyes, and it's sort of a moment in time that'll get me back to where I really want to be. But yeah, I, I love hitting the road. I love traveling. I love you know being whether it's at a conference or a mastermind or why whatever. Do you, why yeah. do you think right now so many people love working from home, or they say they love working from home, and agents in particular? Why do so many agents want to work from home now? Mm -hmm. Because they don't, they didn't like their coworkers. Hmm. They, I mean, if you like working at home alone more than you like working in an office around people, then you clearly don't like those people more and you don't find more value in the time with those people than you find on your own. And I know that's oversimplifying and it's like, yeah, but I have a commute and I save on the commute and this and that. But anybody that just purely wants to work at home full time, they probably didn't have a great office environment, a great culture, great relationships with their colleagues. Because as you guys know, the Zoom stuff's not the same. I mean, it's just not. No, no. It's Definitely. literally not, right? No. So for me, like, if you're like loving working from home, uh, you probably just quite simply weren't loving working at the office. That's my shortest answer. Now, the, the in-person stuff is so much better. We just did like a whole leadership day. I mean, yeah. we, we did a whole, um, you know, EOS. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with EOS? So we did a whole EOS day. We, we wanted to uh, kind of get into that and, and kind of look at our leadership team, how we were working together, 
you know, f- from an outside perspective, have a moderator there in the room as, as we go through this stuff. And so had we done that on Zoom. Oh, no, I would have been looking been... at my phone. Oh, yeah. Well, you would have checked out in. two hours. In. Oh, yeah. I would have checked out before we even <laughs> yeah. checked in. Yeah. 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 Well, there's something to be said, too, about showering, Mm -hmm. too, and like putting on pants, you know, it's helpful. (laughs) Yeah, I actually joked because one of our guys, we had an offsite in Boston for three days last week and it was great. And one of the guys walks in with shorts and I'm like, you know, John, that's only at home, buddy. We need pants here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's the real world again. (laughs) All right. uh, Next confessional, Chris, a business trend that you predicted would go one way and it went the complete opposite way. So something you were 100% wrong on. Hmm. Something that I was 100% wrong on. Um, You know, when I was doing Tech Savvy Agent, I was 100% wrong a lot. Because when you're trying to have an opinion and predict the future, you're going to be wrong sometimes. That's why most people are afraid to do it. Right. Everybody's, so, I, I don't predict know. things. Everybody, I don't, I don't predict, you know, I, I, everyone's mm-hmm. afraid to take a stance like that. People want a prediction. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. People want you to have an opinion on where the world's headed. Like, is the, st- is the real estate market going to crash soon? Yeah. How do you not answer that? If you're a real estate agent, well, you have to people are worried about. Yeah. 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 You have to. And I I even think it'd be interesting to do stuff like how much will your home be worth in 2023? Mm -hmm. Because it's just so different. You don't see that as a uh, a call to action. Um, but now I forgot your question, Byron. What, 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 something, what were you wrong? Some, just you one example of something. Yeah, a yeah. trend that you were wrong on. Yeah, a prediction. Trying to conveniently forget answering <laughs> about the time I was wrong. Way to kind of divert no, I'll away. Give, I'll, give you, I'll give you two that come to mind, uh, and I'll give you a third. The, the first two that come to mind are there's this app called Path, and it was this really beautiful app. It limited your social connections to 150 based on Dunbar's number. Uh, and so I thought like, and it was beautiful and the design, it had some really cool features nobody else had. And so I just thought it would take off. I thought, you know, people's social networks are so big now that like having a legit one, uh, and it didn't, it crashed and burned. And obviously I told a lot of people to download it and try it and install <laughs> it and spend time on it. So yeah, when it, when it doesn't take off, uh, it sucks. And then another one you guys probably don't even remember was called Google wave. Do you guys remember Google Wave? I do Wave? not. I, I don't, don't know, any, know anything about Google Wave. Yeah, Google Wave was going to be like the next big thing. And it was like this, you know, kind of like Google Plus. You know, I spent some time yeah, talking Plus. about Google Plus as a social network. But Google Wave was sort of like a little bit of Slack, a little bit of Gmail, a little bit of Calendar. And it, it was blowing up. And I did all these videos about how like, you're crazy if you don't hop on the Google wave train. Uh, and then it's, they just got rid of it all the way. I mean, they uh-huh. literally uh, got rid of it all the way. So it, it's funny when I used to work for Brad, Brad Inman, uh, he said, half this stuff works and half this stuff doesn't, but you can't just pick the half that works. You got to do it all. Right. You got to be willing to screw up that half of the time or more. So those come to mind uh, in general. I would also say like when I thought about my book, I'm like, man, my book is the future. You know, this is what every team's striving for is this perfect, you know, digital marketing sales machine. Uh, And quite honestly, I just I don't think that's what things look like in a decade. So in, in theory, my book is wrong, but not yet. But it will be. You're predicting that your book will be well, wrong. Well, it won't be wrong. It'll just not be outdated. It'll, be outdated. It'll yeah. just be outdated. 
right? Well, the ta- I think it's it's more so the tactics will be condemned more than they are today where they're sort of looked up to. So when you get a lead, you got to call right away. If they don't pick up, you got to call again. If they don't pick up when you call again, you got to text and leave a voicemail. You got to call them again a couple hours later. You got to call them again the next day. 10 days of pain, buy or die, like smile and dial. I just, I guess I kind of hope that's not the future. And the reason I feel that way is because we have built a brand and we do get inbound leads and we don't trick anyone into registering. So I, I have that upside for my own business and I just can't imagine going back. Yeah. You know, to the, to the old way. Like, now, but I, I know we, I dug into this a little bit before. You ultimately do agree that when that person does call or chat box or send in an inquiry, that the response from that company needs to be immediate. Like somebody needs to pick up the phone a hundred percent of the time. If somebody calls, yeah, I mean, yes, you can't go to voicemail like an agent. And that's the problem with it with a single agent right now is if you're doing all this great branding and it goes to voicemail, that person Mm -hmm. has an opportunity between the time you decide Mm -hmm. it fits into your schedule to call them back to go find somebody else. And they always do. They need that immediate Mm -hmm. you know, gratification. So, you agree yeah, with that. I, listen, I agree that you should, and you should have people in place that can, because if you're a top listing agent, you're going to be busy in many cases, and you're not going to be the one you know, that can call right away. But I'll push back a little bit. Like If somebody, uh, if, if somebody called Veronica Figueroa, who is my agent, say, hey, Veronica, Chris referred us to you. You know, he said you're the best. Uh, my wife and I have a couple questions. Give me a call back. She doesn't need to call back in five minutes. I disagree. In that example where you want to talk to, what was her name? Veronica? Veronica. Veronica. Yeah. Because you mm-hmm. specifically want to talk to her. Now, now that's a problem, I would argue, and push back. That's, that's going to be a problem in Veronica's business if she ever wants to mm-hmm. scale it. She always just wants to be mm-hmm. Veronica, a listing agent, and be stuck in that job. Then sure, yes. that'll be a system that works. But if she wants to go to scale, that'll never work. Uh, agreed. But all I'm saying is when the brand is really strong, like if you can't get a Tesla right now, are you going to get a Ford instead? No. Or are you going to wait for the Tesla? I own both, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but you get my point. Like you're like people when people are sort of truly pre-sold on you know working with a certain company. Right. Then they're going to keep they're going to keep calling Veronica until Veronica answers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, and I agree. Yeah. It could be a terrible reflection on her brand if she yeah. never follows up or right. it takes her three or four days. Like, but at the same time, I think, you know, that's where you'd rather be. You'd right. rather be in the boat where people are willing to wait like a but, couple hours. But that's a personal referral. Get that for sure. Mm-hmm. You're not all the way Brian Buffini where you just only believe in personal referrals. You believe in this great branding and marketing message that is going to get inbound leads, inbound calls yes. that you've never mm-hmm. met or haven't had a personal referral yeah. as well. Yeah. And in that scenario, you should follow all of these tactics. You know, absolutely. Call quick, call right away. You know, use, I mean, I, I have scripts. My book's called Exactly What to Say. It's called The Conversion Code. Like, I get it. I, I'm 100% a fan of these tactics and techniques. And there, you would actually be crazy not to do it if you're investing in leads. You would be mm-hmm. crazy not to invest in the machine behind it to find the needle in the haystack. Uh, I think, honestly, right now, if you could have both, uh, 
That's a good spot to be. Have both. That's always the answer. Both. Mm -hmm. Have it all. Absolutely. All right, Chris, uh, last confessional. You are now the wizard of real estate. You have a magic wand. If you could have just one swipe and make an instant and permanent change in our industry, what would it be? Good question. One swipe. Uh, Do you guys ask all the guests the same question? We do. Same five questions. And so we've had a couple repeat answers on this question. We had a really interesting one last time. I I think you're going to be, I think you're going to blow them out of the water. Yeah, I'm looking forward to which direction you go with it. Yeah, I, I think it would just be that every person that works with an agent would get the same experience as the people that work with the great agents. Uh, I, you know, there's such a yin and yang to like an agent that's amazing. They're professional, they're full service. They, you know, walk you through it. They're a therapist, an analyst, you know, they sort of like over earn their commission. And then there's the ones that don't. So for me, it's not necessarily like, oh, this should, you know, get rid of a million agents or make it harder to become an agent. For that's, me, it's that's more the just, one we hear often. Yeah, I, I figured you would. For, for me, it's more about like the experience for the customer should be great every single time, and that's a that's a big goal, especially with so many different brands and franchises and tactics and stuff. But like as an example, like. This weekend, I wanted to go see this piece of land out in the wilderness and, you know, didn't end up seeing it. And I wanted to go see it. You know, it was just like, please show it to me. We're excited right now to maybe buy this right now. And, you know, now I don't know what'll happen, but I know that uh, the day we wanted to make it happen, it didn't happen on that day. So and obviously so, it wasn't with me- Veronica. It was not Yeah, hopefully Veronica. that was not Veronica. No, that fault. wasn't Veronica. I wouldn't make Veronica drive out to the woods okay, to okay. show me land. I respect her too much. <laughs> but good, good. yeah, it's uh, so it's a good question. I mean, you know, obviously the competency factor is real, and there's other ways. But I think it just start with the end consumer. If the consumer goes through Redfin or Compass or EXP, or the consumer goes through a boutique, or you know, they go through an iBuyer, like. Uh, you know, it's it's such a big thing to go through that it sucks when it's rocky. I'm gonna right. take and when it. I'm gonna take my guess real quick on why mm-hmm. you didn't get to see that piece of land, and then I'm gonna ask mm-hmm. you a follow up question to this. I'm guessing and assuming that you reached out direct to see that piece of land to the listing agent, and that list mm-hmm. listing agent was a solo agent who can't mm-hmm. be everywhere at once, who can't answer every inbound call at once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously to your point, you don't know what's going to happen. Do you believe the solo agent in the future is with that type of service, a disappointment Mm -hmm. for the end consumer? You were disappointed that you didn't get to see it on your timeline. Do you think the solo agent exists far into the future? Well, I actually think that that person doesn't give a shit that it didn't happen because that's not what they're relying on. They're relying on their commission when it sells. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think they feel any urgency that they missed a deal on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. Maybe if it was a buyer, you know, they might've missed them if they had that quick moment, but yeah, you're, you're kind of right. I think 
this because I did a little research and I think the owner is the listing agent oh. who is sort of a, just has his license kind of an agent. Uh, and yeah, he did not get back in touch with uh, the the sort of call it buyer's agent uh, in an, at all. So yeah, because he was handcuffed, uh, he couldn't make the showing. So th- I, when I think about that, it isn't the solo agent's fault. It's just more of the infrastructure of the industry. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't be able to get to that dead end. Should be built different, you know? So I don't necessarily think the guy's doomed that he's out of business per se, but I think the, the idea that you can't go see a place that you're interested in the day that you find it will, will go away. And yeah, the companies that solve that problem will win until everybody else does too. In your mind, does that look like consumers viewing property without agents? In some cases, yes, that is going to be what is is the best thing. So if there's, you know, because it's the best thing for consumers. Well, all of these Zillow owned homes around me, you can, you know, basically walk right in, open door as well. They're empty, uh, you know, they're open on your schedule. You don't have to call in at all. So, yeah, you're, I would you're, say Ar- that- you're Orlando, right? Mm-hmm. So is that a lot of? Are you seeing a lot of those right now in Orlando? I see OfferPad owned. I see, you know, Zillow owned, Open Door owned. Yeah. And and any of those, you know, it basically guarantees the 3D walkthrough tour. It allows the kind of seamless uh show it show it yourself. Uh so I think some some of that stuff, you know, it doesn't mean that as a buyer, like just because you can go walk through it, you're good. Like, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I the industry has tried to convince everyone for the last 20 years that they're not glorified door openers right so like this is the that that would be an example of like proving it that like yeah like open the door and walking through the house is not where we earn our keep yeah uh and so i think if if that's true right then the person that can do that it isn't that you like lost them or that they don't need you to represent them on the buy side uh in fact it might mean that they're further down like because I think at one point, Realtor.com put out, it takes 11 showings to find the the property. So how much literal time does it take you sure. to show someone 11 homes? And then if they could have showed themselves two or three and still you guys kept working together and finished it up, you're a fan of that. You know? I, and, and I would argue that over 50% of agents are literally just doing the door opening and they're standing there while the couple has a conversation. They might ask a couple questions at the end so they can submit feedback to the listing agent. So I'm excited for a shift in that way. Uh, and, it, and in my mind, it would create more of a professional need for really good buyer agents. And then to your mm-hmm. point earlier in the podcast, you know, listings become that much more valuable for agents and teams. Yeah. Well, I'll leave you with a stat. I, I like all the technology companies. I think everyone can learn from Redfin, Open Door, you know, all of these folks. I think you can take a little, you know, nugget from what they're doing. But we were looking this th- the other day, the net promoter score, which uh, there's a website you can check called Comparably. Like, which is basically word of mouth. Would you refer somebody to, to using us? Yes or no. And certain nines and tens are basically good and nothing else really is. People are more likely to refer someone to McDonald's than to Redfin. 
Hmm. McDonald's has a higher net promoter score than Redfin. And so when you think about Redfin's model, which again, I think all these companies do some really cool stuff, but their model is basically like a friendly customer centric, you know, non-commissioned person that will just go out there and make you smile. And then you obviously pay a lot less money. Uh, and I just don't, I don't think that that has really worked that well. You know, Compass is another one. They started as like, hey, you're going to get a neighborhood guide. They're going to know the area. There won't be any pressure. They'll go on this journey with you. And they also sort of gave up and sort of said, you know what? People need sort of a regular (laughs) real estate agent. So Compass went super traditional, super quick. Not a a knock on that. It's just the fact. Offers. All of these, even iBuyers now have like a real estate agent department. You mm-hmm. know, it's like listed the regular way is now kind of a checkbox. So I don't think agents are going anywhere. Uh, again, I just think that people don't do this that often. So they deserve to have a really cool experience when they do. And because it's so expensive and valuable and the commission is so high, it should honestly be the best experience people have, not right. one of the worst. Absolutely. I love the way you're thinking about the industry. Nicole's to wrap this uh, up has some really light hearted questions. Just kind of it's a like quick, a, like a light, like a this or that. Yeah. Lightning Rapid round. Fire. This oh, or that. Yeah. Yes or yes or no. They're and super, um, super easy. Again, really love your, your insights. I, I really hope people are going to share this uh, that have listened to this, that somebody else that can kind of benefit from this. Go ahead. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Phone call or text. Text. Facebook or Instagram. Instagram. iOS or Android? iOS. Work hard or play hard? Work hard. (laughs) Nice car or nice home? Above average both. (laughs) Passenger or driver? Driver. Money or free time? Free time. Your toilet paper, is it over or is it under? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> you must have a preference. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I can't even remember every single time I put it on there. I have to think about it. That's so funny. Um, iced coffee or hot coffee? Cold brew. TV or book? TV. Working alone or working on a team? On a team. Morning or evening? Morning. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Uh, family or friends? Family. Netflix or Hulu? You know, recently Hulu's been killing it. They've had some good stuff come out, but overall, I will say Netflix. You start there, yeah. And then um, lobster rolls, you do them with mayo or with butter? Hot or cold? Hmm. I, half our company is in Boston, so I'm going to catch catch heat for this. I, I wouldn't <laughs> have any idea what to ask for. I would just say yes. <laughs> Your, your they boss both sound good. Your, your boss and friends are definitely going to say mayo. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I remember it's is it's cold. Yeah, it's yeah, cold in Boston. Mayo. It's hot yeah. with butter yeah. in Connecticut. In Connecticut, we do it with butter. Hot. That's right. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> Chris, uh, yeah, really appreciate it. And and again, if you haven't seen some of Chris's recent content on Curator, you, you're you're putting out a weekly video at least on on the YouTube channel. You're breaking down short clips on your Instagram. It's f- tremendous content for anybody that's following the industry and wants to be ahead of the game. So I suggest you guys all check that out. 
Uh, Chris, any final thoughts that you want to, you want to leave the audience with? No, that's it, man. Thank you guys so much. I would just say that if people that know me or know you guys and feel like a close relationship with us, even though they don't really know us, that sort of proves the case for like what I want to be the future of, you know, personal brand, content marketing, digital marketing, podcasting, video, media, you know, you guys are embodying that. So just keep it up. And for the people that love you guys or love my stuff, like be that. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Build the brand. Chris Smith, thank you so much. Thank you. Go follow him everywhere. Appreciate you doing this.